Taiwan reported 27 local COVID cases on Tuesday, setting a new low since Level 3 restrictions began. Also on Tuesday, the executive yuan launched its online COVID vaccine appointment system for a test. Here's how it works. Well, first, go onto the system and indicate which vaccine brand you want and where you want to receive it. A while, after, uh, a while after that, you'll get a text message that lets you know you can book an appointment. This booking system will first be tested on two priority groups in Jinmen, Mazu, and Penghu. This centralized online appointment system basically replaces the paper version. Regarding the 9th and 10th priority groups, once there is sufficient vaccine coverage for the previous priority groups, once enough of them are vaccinated, we will activate the reservation system for the 9th and 10th groups. The cabinet has launched an online vaccine appointment system. Registration is now open to the 9th and 10th priority groups, which are people aged 18 to 64 with high-risk, rare or serious illnesses, and adults aged 50 to 64. On Tuesday, the system launched for a trial in Jinmen, Penghu and the Matsu Islands, where people in the 9th priority group were made eligible for a shot. I use the appointment system registering on my computer. I think it's extremely convenient. For those of us who know how to operate computers, signing up and logging in takes no more than 30 seconds. Residents of Taiwan proper in the two priority categories can also register, indicating which vaccine they want and where they want to get it. In less than a day, more than one million people had registered. Registering vaccine preferences is just the first step of the application process. After that, eligible people will receive a text message telling them they can make an appointment. Starting late July, people in the 9th and 10th priority groups on Taiwan proper can expect to receive a notification in waves. Once a notification is received, they can book a vaccination location and time slot using the online system or in person at convenience stores and pharmacies. People who turn up late for their appointment will still be allowed to get a vaccine on the day. But those who don't show up at all will have to make a new appointment. In the system, you can indicate your willingness to take a second vaccine shot. The system can also register preferences, such as whether you are willing to accept either vaccine brand or you only want to mix vaccines. But the interface will depend on whether the Central Epidemic Command Center allows vaccine mixing. We'll take the list of people eligible kept by the National Health Insurance Administration and match it up with the people who registered on the system. Those on the NHI system who have registered for the vaccines will get a notification. If you don't meet their criteria, it's best to not put more pressure on the computer system. The health minister called on people outside of the priority groups to hold off on registering for an appointment. Japan's deputy prime minister says that if China invades Taiwan, Japan needs to defend the island with the United States. Speaking at a fundraising event, Japanese Deputy Prime Minister Aso Taro said that if a major problem takes place in Taiwan, it could lead to a survival-threatening situation for Japan. According to a Taiwanese lawmaker, these are some of the highest-level statements Japan has ever made on the issue. Once Taiwan is no longer safe, Japan's Okinawa will also fall. That would pertain to whether or not the country can survive. It would be a major survival-threatening situation. This is the most prominent statement so far from Japan's cabinet. 
In fact, this is a major policy change that involves regional security, Japan's defense policy, the tacit understanding between the US and Japan, and most importantly, a shift in Japan's Taiwan policy. According to the lawmaker, Japan is making it known that Taiwan's security is a key national interest. That's a departure from Japan's past approach, which was more conservative and wary of angering Beijing. In related news, the U.S. Pacific Fleet commander said recently that his duty includes preventing China from annexing Taiwan. 164 people flew out to Guam on Tuesday on Taiwan's first vaccine tourism flight. The passengers were looking to take advantage of Guam's vaccination and vacation program, which offers quarantine-free stays to people with a proof of a negative COVID test taken within 72 hours of departure. Once they arrive in Guam, travelers can pay out of pocket for their choices of three vaccines, Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna or Johnson & Johnson. This is not a drill. People are actually going to Guam. The island offers fantastic diving, plenty of sunshine and COVID vaccines. I want to go diving and also get vaccinated. I want the Moderna vaccine. I'll see whether I can get the second shot after coming back to Taiwan. If I can't, then I'll just go abroad again. My family's home is in Luzhou in Greater Taipei. I want to get a vaccine to be better protected. Only then would I dare go home. I haven't been over there in more than two months. To attract vaccine tourists, Guam has waived quarantine requirements for travelers with a negative PCR test taken within 72 hours of departure. Once there, they can get a COVID vaccine of their choice, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna or Pfizer, before immediately getting on with their tropical getaway. The tour operator said it thought Johnson & Johnson would be the top choice among travelers, but only 23% picked the one-dose vaccine. Some 34% of travelers chose Pfizer, and 38% picked Moderna which is also rolling out in Taiwan. Their choices reflect how confident they feel in the vaccines. They may come back to Taiwan and follow the CECC's priority arrangements to get their second shot. I'm staying for longer, maybe a whole month. I'm getting Pfizer. It requires a wait of 21 days between the first shot and the second, so I can get the second shot too. The tour agency had initially offered only five-day packages, but seeing heated demand for longer stays, it launched trips of up to 22 days too. 80% of all slots are already sold. The 22-day itinerary costs only about half of what it would cost for foreign nationals to get vaccinated on the continental United States. In the U.S., anyone over 12 years of age can get the Pfizer vaccine. The policy has prompted entire families to fly from Taiwan to get inoculated in hopes of attaining protection and peace of mind. A U.S. automaker's medical donation has arrived in Taiwan. A plane carrying more than 100,000 masks and 10,000 isolation gowns touched down in Taoyuan today. In addition, the automaker's primary Taiwan dealer donated two ambulances equipped with negative pressure cabins. The donations were for the Taoyuan city government, and they will go to support frontline medical staff. This is the first time a U.S.-based multinational company donated, donated medical supplies to a local government in Taiwan. 
A plane crossing Taiwan's sky gently descends onto the runway. The cargo door goes up, and big cartons of freight are lowered carefully to the ground. Their contents are medical supplies donated to Taiwan. A well-known international automobile manufacturer donated N95 masks and protective clothing. There are also ambulances. The headquarters of this international automaker worked with major companies in pharmaceutical logistics to make this happen. I think that this is a kind gesture that will make an impression on the people of Taoyuan. There are 108,000 N95 masks, 10,000 isolation gowns, and two negative pressure ambulances. This medical donation is the first from an American multinational company to a local government in Taiwan. Not only is it a move to help, it's also an expression of gratitude. When the epidemic had been especially severe in North America, I was asked by the company to see what assistance Taiwan would be able to provide. We were very honored to receive the strong support of the national face mask production team. Last year, we sent more than 10 mask production lines to the automaker's headquarters in the U.S. Now, Taiwan has a lot of COVID-related needs. Its primary Taiwan dealer contacted the U.S. headquarters, and these supplies were donated. I also want to thank EBA for waiving the various shipping costs. Last year, during the worst of North America's epidemic, Taiwan donated mask-making machines to help. Now, as Taiwan battles its own COVID outbreaks, it's getting a helping hand from those it supported before. With the pandemic stretching on, people and countries are coming together to help each other get through. Well, the electricity grid came under heavy stress on Tuesday as sweltering temperatures sent power demand soaring. The day before, the operating reserve plummeted to 6% when a generator broke down at Kaohsiung's Dalin power plant. Thai Power says that a yellow alert, which indicates operating reserves of 6 to 10%, will be in place until Friday. It said that measures would be taken to ensure the stability of the grid. On Tuesday, the operating reserve was 9.8%. For Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the rate will range between 9.39% and 9.93%. The alert will go back to green from Saturday. Should anything happen, we have other measures to ensure a stable power supply. For example, reducing the usage of major customers we have an agreement with. Buying surplus electricity from private plants or ramping up hydroelectric output. Thai Power has a tough summer ahead. It lost 985,000 kilowatts of installed capacity last week after decommissioning a generator at the second nuclear power plant. This month, peak consumption is projected at 39 million kilowatts, a historic record for Taiwan. Well, the food and drink industry is reeling from the impact of level three restrictions, and that has a knock-on effect on related trades, including secondhand kitchenware. There's suddenly a massive surplus of unwanted kitchen utensils on the market as restaurants close up shop across the country. Multiple secondhand merchants say there's almost too much spare equipment to handle. This Indonesian restaurant has pulled the iron grill down for good. Level three restrictions have been too much to bear for this 25-year-old business. On some days, we didn't even make 1,000 NT. We will never open up again. Its bustling heyday is a memory now. The restaurant owner reluctantly decided to sell all the old tableware and kitchen utensils to a secondhand kitchenware store. 
来到二手厨具业者的仓库，可以看到除了满山满谷的厨具。I'm here in the warehouse. You can see piles of kitchenware everywhere, but also brand new dishes and chair coverings that have never been opened. It's not just secondhand goods here. Some restaurants have sold totally unused products, like unopened boxes of ramen bowls. In just one month of frantic purchasing, this businessman says his two warehouses are full, almost to bursting. I can't take any more. There's no space for it, nowhere to put it. We sell it as cheap as possible, so long as we earn something on it. We're not trying to get as high a price as we can. Another tableware merchant is in an even tighter conundrum. He's told us it's been impossible to sell anything for the last month. The warehouses are all full, and almost all the restaurants are fully stocked. Lots of restaurants have collapsed. I sort through everything offered to me now. I don't take really old things, only the new stuff. With many businesses folding and no new eateries opening to take their place, there's a glut of unwanted kitchenware flooding the market. These sellers hope the public's appetite for chef-made food perks up again soon. A restaurant in Taipei has taken to making free sushi for hospital workers to get through the summer. The Tapinyaki Eatery was hit hard by the start of the level three restrictions. After deciding the losses could could not be recouped by takeout, the boss got creative. Chefs now make hundreds of sushi portions daily to be given free to frontline workers across the city. Sushi rice lies on the board. Then it's flipped and filled with teriyaki pork, egg, and cucumber to roll into tamaki. The fresh delicacies are heading straight for the local hospital to perk up frontline workers. Each box is brimming with delicious fresh sushi, a welcome treat for staff at Taiwan Adventist Hospital. We're very grateful to them for giving us this handmade sushi. In a moment, we will give it to the most frontline workers to brighten their spirits and give them energy. We're so thankful. Eating in has been strictly forbidden since Level Three came in. This high-end teppanyaki restaurant in Taipei's Da'an District found itself suddenly out of business. The boss decided that takeout could not make up for the restaurant's losses, so why not turn to a more charitable project? Our restaurant used to focus on fresh ingredients and great service. Our hot pots and teppanyaki are not suitable for takeaway. Recently, the boss has said he's concerned about our livelihoods, so he arranged for us to make some sushi for charity. This pandemic has come so suddenly. We've been caught unawares, so we've all been impacted hard. We're counting our losses in the millions. We were thinking and decided to use our resources to contribute and serve the medical workers. We've got a great landlord, and we've got some reduction on the rent here. Right now, the monthly rent, even at half price, is upward of 500,000 to 600,000 NT. Since the end of May, the restaurant has made hundreds of portions of sushi a day and delivered them to hospitals across the capital. It's a gesture of generosity and a way to keep smiles on the faces of restaurant workers too. While level three restrictions continue, it's important to keep animals safe and healthy. We all want to keep pets from spreading the virus. But some pet owners are adopting dangerous methods. Vets say dogs and cats should never be put in face masks or sprayed with alcohol. Instead, you can wipe them gently with a wet wipe or a weak disinfectant like hypochlorous acid. Everyone is staying at home a lot as level three continues, but for animals, getting out for a walk is a must. Some dog owners have been spotted putting masks on their pets during walkabouts. 
That's a very bad idea. Both dogs and cats can get hurt if they get too hot. They often breathe with their mouths. If you cover their mouth, they may not be able to breathe. They could easily get heat stroke or heat exhaustion. Dogs and cats regulate their temperature through their mouth, normally exhaling 30 to 40 times a minute. If their mouth is covered, they may hyperventilate, exhaling hundreds of times a minute, with potentially disastrous consequences. Other pet owners have tried spraying their animals with disinfectant alcohol, but this is also a big no-no. There are mucous membranes on their eyes, ears, mouth and nose, as well as on their anus and genitals. If you spray alcohol directly on these membranes, it will sting and the dog or cat will feel pain. When I go out, I put him in a coat. And actually, when we come home, I take the coat off and as we come in, I wipe his feet. But we don't spray him with alcohol because it's not very good for dogs. This dog owner is well informed. She uses wet wipes to clean her dog after going out and leaves the spray on the shelf. Vets advise owners to use, at most, a very mild disinfectant on animals. Hypochlorous acid or cohedin solution are okay.